Hello and welcome to the Pure Championship podcast, the podcast focused entirely on the championship. I'm Cam Anderson and as ever I'm joined by my co-host Chris Sampson. Let's get into the action. On Friday night we were treated to a real spectacle at East End Park as Dunfermline took on Hearts. The Pars won this one 2-1 and this was a real statement win from the Pars, wasn't it Chris? Yeah, really was. Um, I, I wrote in my notes the Dunfermline train rolls on. Um, and also the set-piece train rolls on too, which I'm sure we'll touch on uh, in a wee bit as well, Cammy. But aye, like you said, great win, still unbeaten, and, and now the only unbeaten team in the league as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I really can't complain much from a pass perspective. As you say, the only unbeaten team now in the league, of course, Hearts were one of those other teams. They've been beaten by, by ourselves, and Rafe Rovers, who we'll touch on later, were also beaten and I mean, I think this is an ideal start for the the Pars. And I mean, I don't think I could really ask for much more. Four wins and a draw from our from our first five games, thirteen points on the board, and we've already kind of got a, a three point gap, even even at this early stage of the season. And given the season is short, and that three points could make all the difference come the end of the season. Yeah, obviously we had no matches for a big a big chunk of this year. But do you remember when Dunfermline's last loss in the league was? Oh, um, you've, you've stuck me on the spot here. Um, I'm so used to winning, I've forgotten what, what losing feels <laughs> like. Um, wait, when will I say? Uh, well, I'm trying to think, given the season's finished in what, Mar- end of February, kind of start of March, I'll say, I'll say February time. Yep. Uh, who did we play in February? Uh, I'll go with Inverness. Yeah, you're right. Really? What, what was the score? Because I'm, I'm, I, I couldn't tell it you was that. Twenty fifth of February, and I think it was two one Inverness. Ah, superb. Well, not not for the pars on that day, but <laughs> I, I'm fair chuffed. I remembered that. I think one of the things I wanted to ask you about was like we've seen even just when we were speaking about them on the podcast last season, we've seen them firm and go on similar runs like this in the past. And then it all kind of starts to unravel sometimes as well. I'm thinking back to even the season before last too, when you had that amazing run, I think, when Stevie Crawford um, kind of first took over, didn't you? And then it just all started to, you, you couldn't win uh, come the end of that the, the end of that season. What, what do you think is different so far about this season, Cammy? I think the fact it's now pretty much entirely Crawford's squad, when he first came in, I think, Maybe we wouldn't come out and say it, but a lot of those players had kind of down tools at that stage. A lot of the kind of contracts weren't going to be renewed and maybe the, the PARs kind of communicated that too soon to them and they were like, well, I'm not going to bother playing. And that was pretty pretty abysmal. So last season, Crawford kind of put his stamp on the team and we we, we did have good spells. We did kind of have a spell where we kind of performed poorly. But I mean, this season, it's, I mean, barn maybe what one or two players, it is entirely Crawford's squad, if I'm not wrong. And I, mean, I think that's the difference. Crawford's spoken really kind of strongly about wanting all the right players in. They're meeting the players multiple times and they're wanting to make sure that they're, they're the kind of right characters and players who want to be here, not just players here to pick up a wage, uh, which was perhaps uh, a wee dig at players who we previously had at the team. Uh, and, I w- and I would agree with him. There were some, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, not name them, but uh, yeah, but... Yeah, it's a it's a tricky one. I, I I find it quite hard to believe that the Pars have not kind of shit the bed yet. I, I mean, I know we've not had football for the best part of seven months this year, but if the Pars somehow managed to go between January first, twenty twenty, and January first, twenty twenty one without shitting the bed, that that would be a minor miracle. <laughs> I, 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 as I said, 
we've barely played football this like this calendar year, but I think that think that's huge and would really kind of show the improvement that the Pars have made us a few seasons in since a promotion and things are kind of settling down now and kind of looking up. Uh, so yeah, really kind of chuffed. Yeah, I think it's obviously a great start to the season. Yes, as much as I hate to admit it, I think I'm starting to like dislike Dunfermline more as we as we do the podcast. <laughs> but mainly, it's just to wind you up, to be honest. So um, yeah, I think it's you can't you can't argue uh, against the start to the season that they made. And I think one of the big things we've talked about quite a lot is that, that tax, tactical flexibility, haven't we, so far? And I think I definitely spotted that again in this one. You obviously saw Kevin O'Hara starting on the bench. Declan McManus led the line. Stephen Whitaker kind of screening that defence in a kind of a 4-1-4-1. And, and Kyle Turner was, like, I think you'd probably agree with this and you were going to say as well, Kyle Turner, best game in a Dunfermline shirt. Oh, 100%. I mean, Turner, when he came in last season, had obviously come off a really good season with Stranra, was still quite slightly built. And I, I mean, I wouldn't say he's bulked up and he's some big Hulk-like figure now, but he, he does kind of seem to have just put on that bit of muscle. He seems that bit stronger. He just seems to be a bit more determined. And like, obviously last year was his first year at full-time football. And I mean, I don't know if it's just that experience has now really helped him kick on and I mean, he was absolutely superb and my man of the match on, on Friday night. Him and Ken McEnroy in the middle of the park were absolutely superb. Felt they really complemented each other well, whilst Turner was the one kind of looking for the ball, playing the passes and kind of running with it. McEnroy was very much playing the kind of disruptive role. He was intercepting, getting himself stuck in. And I mean, he played a few or eight passes as well. And I think that's a good partnership. And then obviously, as you say, Whitaker kind of playing that kind of screening role in front of the defence meant we were we were really solid and kind of limited hearts chances. They had they had a few um, a few kind of corners, Mihai Popescu. Unfortunately, perhaps the unluckiest man in the world uh, hit the bar twice from corners. Um, and then obviously he then deflected Dunfermline's opening goal in. So uh, yeah, I, I need to forget for him. Um, but yeah, Kyle Turner was absolutely superb. McEnroy was superb. And to be fair to the, the Pars team, I felt they were absolutely superb. Um we really kind of stood up to the occasion and kind of previous seasons we've, we've really panicked against big teams. Obviously Dundee United were a kind of bogey team for us for several years whilst other teams seem to take points off them, no bother. But I think, yeah, it's a huge statement that we've managed to do this to Hearts. So so what about Hearts then? What did you think of them? I thought they had a few chances. Obviously you've touched on Popescu's um, couple already. You had that Elliot Freer free kick um, as well that I think just went over. Um and I mean, don't quote me on the XG of this chance, but Stephen Naismith's header, like when when uh, Hearts had already two 0 down, to be fair, like lovely ball in from Michael Smith, but Stephen Naismith surely nine times out of ten puts that in the back of the net, and that's a bit of an earlier kind of consolation for Hearts that they could then kick on and potentially get an equaliser um, in it. But yeah, obviously hits it straight at um, kind of Owen Fawn Williams, and uh, it, it doesn't doesn't go in the back of the net but I just the biggest thing for me was thinking like looking at Hearts' team watching the match how many of these Hearts players excite you Cammy? like I think I've touched on Stephen Kingsley like before I've, I've mentioned that I'm a big fan of him Craig Halkett probably if Hearts get back into the Premiership he's probably knocking on Scotland's door um, again if he if he plays well enough and then Naismith and Boyce can be good on their day, pretty pretty missing in this match, to be honest. And then I'm not really sure why Andy Irving 
isn't starting every week over either Andy Halliday or Ollie in that midfield. But Hearts, ta- Hearts fans might tell you differently with with Halliday and Lee, but I'm I'm not really sure why I think about them yet. Um, I, and yeah, I'm just like I'm just a bit bleh. like, do you know what I mean? Like it's it's just a bit meh at the moment, uh, and maybe that's because they don't have those kind of flying wingers like they've been out injured. Like Jordan Roberts made his return um, in this one. I think it'll be interesting to see if he starts. Uh, well, tonight, as we're recording this on Tuesday, but uh, last night, if you're listening uh, on Wednesday when this comes out. Uh, and then I think um, Josh Ginelli was back in training, but I think I spotted that he got uh, kind of pulled out of training as well. So it'll be interesting to see if they get a bit more exciting again when those wingers come back and they're fit and they're firing. But I'm just, I'm just not excited by this Hearts team. And it looked very kind of second gear for them on Friday night. Yeah, I'm not very kind of excited about this Hearts team either. They're not very appealing to watch. I did see a few folk on Twitter kind of suggest, are they kind of Robbie Nielsen's Dundee United Mark II? And I mean, I think that first game versus Dundee kind of seems a bit of an anomaly. Um, of course, you've, you've mentioned the two wingers and kind of the pace and the the directness that they played with that night was was frightening. And that is, like, that would be a hard performance for anyone to kind of beat this season because it was some absolutely lovely football to watch. And I mean, since, since that Dundee game, they only just got past our broth one. Now they really struggled up there. I felt a bit, a bit flat again. And then they beat Inverness 2-1. And I mean, it wasn't exactly a, a fantastic performance again. It was a really kind of boring match again. And yeah, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see when the likes of Roberts and Ginelli are both kind of on the park together. And I think if Boyce and Naismith can get kind of firing on, firing on all cylinders, that, that was certainly change their fortunes. I think they've left a lot to be desired with their performances so far this season and they, they never really had the impact I expected them to on that game on Friday. Boyce perhaps has a bit of an excuse. He was on national team duty so maybe a little bit tired there but yeah, it wasn't kind of the best of performances from Hearts and I think these are games that will determine whether Hearts kind of win the league. I know we're still only early doors but yeah like the kind of promotion rivals, they need to be beating them because it is a short season. So as we've said so many times, teams cannot afford to to be slipping up kind of long and in the long run. And they've just really got to take points and get as many points as they can and, and do so quickly. And before we move on, I've, I've got to say, I've got to laugh at Michael Smith as well. In this one, when the Pars kind of near the end were substituting players, Smith moved perhaps as quick as he did all night as he, as he started shepherding the Pars players off the park and, yeah, I hope to see him do that when Hearts are leading games. It was, yeah, a bit, bit weird. I just wanted to say before we move on to the next match, like, for the love of God, will somebody mark Ewan Murray from a Dom Thomas corner, please? Like, Stephen Kingsley, I think it was, lets him go for this one, which is obviously surprising. Again, he's had a great start to the season, but I think at the end of the season, we should have an award for the worst marking from... Uh, Dom Thomas corner for a Ewan Murray goal and there there have been a few contenders so far already Yeah I mean I think we're going to have plenty more contenders as well we're still we're a few weeks in and it's kind of the go-to option at corners yet teams still can't seem to to find a way to stop it and then there's also the chance where Murray from might have actually been a Dom Thomas free kick where the ball went in and granted Murray was offside but completely free head and forced Gordon into a really good save and I mean yeah teams just can't seem to to stop him and he's he's obviously got really good evasive qualities and yeah long, long may that continue as far as I'm concerned so 
So moving on then, we'll discuss Ayr's 2-0 win at home to Dundee. Now, rather than talk about the home team first, I want to speak about the away team in Dundee. And I'm wondering, are James McPake's days as Dundee manager numbered? Well, we kind of touched on this a little bit. I think we, we, we've, seen a, we've seen a few fans on Twitter kind of calling for McPake to be relieved of his duties. I think he must be the favourite if he, I mean, I've not checked the odds actually for the first managerial casualty in the championship, but he must be the favourite uh, at the moment. Uh, and especially so, I, I don't know if you've spotted it, Cammy, but that Dundee Evening Telegraph uh, article that uh, is from Paul McGowan's kind of rant after the match, it's absolutely superb. Oh, I've got I've got a few sentences to read out uh, here. Um, he says there's passengers at the club uh, he says it's fucking horrible to watch and he wouldn't pay to watch it. Um, the goals they're losing are pathetic and there's not enough characters in the team and they're letting the club down. And I think when when a player comes out and is that open and honest in a kind of post-match, not even a press conference, he's probably standing at the side of a, a pitch, do you know what I mean? Just speaking into somebody's dictaphone. Like, I think it's, it's pretty remarkable. I, re- I really like uh, James McPake. I think he's he's probably going to be a good manager eventually, but at the moment it's just not working for him at Dundee. Like we've we've said on a few podcasts already that they've not played well at all so far this season. Uh, I thought they looked a little bit better in this one, but obviously were kept out by kind of Ayr's good defensive work, which again we'll, we'll come on to when we talk about Ayr. But but what do you make of of the kind of how how they've gone and how, how this match went for them. I mean, it's been a rotten start for them. I did see a kind of few stats floating around. McPeak's just won 12 of the championship managed, uh, sorry, has won just 12 of the championship matches that he's managed Dundee in, which is an absolutely terrible record to to have. And I, I was quite surprised when I seen that. They've, they've got the worst defensive record in the league at the moment, having conceded 12. And now, of course, six of these goals came in that opening game of the season. But, yeah, they just simply have to do better. Given the players at their disposal and the kind of playing budget they have, also we've spoken about Charlie Adam. We both had our doubts about him, but without Charlie Adam, Dundee would be in some serious problems. I think he is, I think, kind of been a bit of a plaster over Dundee's really poor form. He's kind of made things maybe a bit better than than they are. And i seen kind of post-match as well, McPeak said that he's 100% confident he can turn things around I don't think Dundee fans would necessarily kind of share that assessment. Um, I think his feelings on the game were pretty clear as well, given what you could hear coming at his mouth during the highlights. Um, was that him, eh? That, that was McPake, yeah. He was the same when I was doing the commentary for Alwa Dundee. He's a, a a big fan of swear words, clearly. And I mean, I, th- I think you can kind of understand his anger at the moment. And there, there were a few kind of choice words used throughout the highlights that he did pick up. And yeah, that... I think they could have probably played another 90 minutes on Saturday and still not scored. Uh, kind of moving on to air. Air's defence well, was before, Yeah, before you move on to air, sorry to interrupt you. Like We said already that Dundee needed some defensive recruits. Since we last spoke on the podcast, they brought in Adam Leg, Legs, Legs Dins, who I'm going to say that. That's a good, great pronunciation. I'm sure that's not how you say it. Uh, and Liam Fontaine as well. And obviously, Graham Dorns left and there was probably a bit of a... a, a Bit, a bit of room in the wage budget to bring in a few defensive recruits, but will will they make will they make a difference at the back? Like are they are they going to be the difference? 
I'm not too sure. I can't say I'm too familiar with Lesgins or whatever we're calling him. Um, I think he was kind of sitting as a reserve goalie in the Premier League for a bit. Was it at Burnley? So uh, he's he's a classic kind of third choice goalie down. So it's like he's not really done anything for a few seasons, and whether whether it makes a difference, I'm not too sure. Fontaine, if I recall correctly, was part of the Ross County team that won a won the championship and. Yeah, he's obviously sat out for a few months without a club, so he, he might take a bit to get going. And but I think they need that kind of experience at the back. Obviously, you can never have too much experience in my eyes, and whether it makes a difference, we'll also need to wait and see. But going back to air, as I said, I didn't think Dundee would have scored if they had another 90 minutes, and probably if they had another 900 minutes, they probably wouldn't have scored air. Although they gave up quite a few chances to Dundee, they always seem to manage to recover. They always kind of manage to get that last-ditch block or, like just positioned better and were able to maybe stop the cross that came in or the, the kind of cutback or whatever. And got to give a shout out to uh, Viljami Sinisalo as well. V- sorry, Viljami Sinisalo. Uh, I mean, he was he was superb in this one, made a few absolutely cracking saves in this one. The one that stood out to me was, I believe it was in the second half when Sean Byrne was kind of in the box in a penalty spot and absolutely bloated it. And Sinisalo done really well. And yeah, I think he's been... A really good player, obviously. We were impressed with him early doors. And, yeah, a, a really good performance from him. And another thing for United was the fact that Michael Moffat grabbed his 100th goal for the club. And, and congrats to him. That's not an achievement many players will manage uh, kind of throughout their career. And he's done it at one club. And so, yeah, congrats to him for that. And I think another thing that I noticed about Ayr was the fact that they were very clinical. They had five shots. Three of them were on target and they got two goals from that. And, that's kind of what you're needing in matches like this, whereas Dundee had, I think they probably had more chances, but didn't take them. Yeah, you got their goals kind of early on, didn't they? And then just seemed to to keep Dundee out for the rest of the match. Like, as you said, some great defensive blocks, clearances off the line as well. There was a few kind of scrambles um, from corners and set pieces, uh, last-ditch tackles as well. Um, that's two clean sheets now in the last two since that horror 10 minutes against Morton. Uh, sorry, two clean sheets in the league, I should say. I think they conceded against Stranraer and the Betfred. But, um, yeah, I think, obviously, a, a big improvement from them since that 3-2 uh, defeat. Um, you, you mentioned Sinisal. I thought, like, initially he looked a bit flappy uh, in this one. He was kind of coming out. Uh, I think he missed a few... A few kind of punches didn't connect probably as well as he wanted. But then, as you say, he pulls out that incredible stop from, from Sean Byrne. Um, and I wanted to mention there was a, a I really enjoyed the air, included it in the highlights, but there was a kind of superb bit of shithousing, time wasting um, at the end of the match as well, where he just lets the ball kind of uh, stroll into the corner of the box, uh, keeps it at his feet for as long as possible and then dives on it like he's made a dramatic save, which uh, uh, I did enjoy that. Um, and yeah, like you said, Michael Moffat too, like uh, we're always talking about Luke McCowan in this air side, he obviously is a pure championship favourite. He played a massive role in Ayr's opener, obviously, for, for Cammy Smith. Had the ball in the net for a third as well, which was ruled out for offside. Uh, we do give Michael Moffat some praise, but but maybe it's not enough, Cammy. Maybe we need to to give Michael Moffat even more praise. Um, I, I think we, we kind of, I think I christened him false 11. Um, he's, he plays false nine. He plays kind of false 10. Sometimes as well, he's just a very good footballer, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he ruled back the years on this one and was kind of more like the striker he was a few seasons ago, rather than kind of as, as you're going to say the false eleven or kind of the kind of attacking midfielder linking things. And 
I think Moffat is Moffat's form and the fact he is scoring will really help Bruce Anderson. Bruce Anderson came in, I think I actually tipped him to be the top scorer in the league. But for a number of reasons, things just haven't really worked for him. He's not really had many good chances and yeah, I think that'll maybe help him as much as it'll probably set pressure on him as well because if Moffat keeps scoring and other players are doing their bit, Anderson might struggle to get in the team. But going back to McEwen, I've got to say that piece of skill that stuck Jordan Marshall on his ass at the first goal was absolutely filthy. Just a, a wee ball roll, nothing, nothing too extraordinary, but just it was just really, really nice to see that. And obviously a really nice ball on, uh, to Smith. And then as you said, I'm lucky to have a goal chopped off at the end. And I think this is the kind of look McEwen we wanted to see this season. We said we they kind of need a Alan Forrest replacement. And if uh, sorry, and if McEwen plays like this, they're certainly going to have someone who is just as good, if not better, than Forrest. Yeah, I, I, I tipped air for second. I'm still going to stick by that just now. Um, but and I do think it is still kind of founded when, as you say, you do look at their bench as well. Bruce Anderson didn't even get on in this one. Like Ennis Cameron came on, Dario Zanata came on. Yes, Mark Mark Kerr sitting on the bench as well, which he probably doesn't want to bring himself on either. But I just think those kind of attacking options that they've got now, as as we say, if Luke McEwen is firing, if Michael Moffat is on form as well, like how do you fit them all on the team? Like it's a really really kind of big headache for Mark Kerr, and I think if they keep playing if they keep picking up results and they keep playing quite well, then he's got some problems in terms of the the kind of a living that he tries to pick in. And maybe that front three or front four that he is trying to pick from those attacking options. I mean, I think I'd rather have that headache than not have it. Also, all those options is is a great thing. As we said with Dunfermline, lots of kind of tactical flexibility and air can have similar with all their attacking options. And I think, I I don't think having such a kind of, bench with such depth can be underestimated especially in this season there's there's obviously the short season for about that we've said about five times already on this podcast but having that quality player that you're able to just rotate in and out and not really lose anything is huge there's there's some clubs who who must really envy the the bench the air and kind of some other clubs are, are able to put out at the moment so so moving on then we'll discuss Queen of the South's 2-0 win against Aloha now this was Queen of the South's first league win in the entire calendar year. Um, yeah, what what did you make of this one? Yeah, they, as you said, they finished 2019 with a 2-1 win against Ayr. And it's taken them since the kind of midway end of November 2020 to grab their, their first win of 2020. Um, and... Yes, there was uh, quite a lot of not 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 very many matches at all. Again, similarly to Dunfermline for for a big chunk of that. But yeah, great great way to pick up three points against another of the sides that hadn't had any wins so far this season. Um, I think we've been quite critical so far of Greggy Buchanan's defending. Um, in the last league match, he popped up with an assist that I think Finlay Jack described as Iniesta esque. Um, and then obviously he got his first league goal in this one here. I think he's uh, he did well to stay forward after a corner that had come to nothing uh, and Queen's took a quick throw. But um, I, I did spot Aloha's commentary um, thought there would, was some hands on the back of Andy Graham, uh, which, uh, yeah, I do, I do like a bit of uh, when Aloha get quite salty with their commentary and their Twitter game. So, yeah, I did enjoy that too. I want I to talk to you first before we just move on, like, 
what did you make of James Maxwell getting absolutely clattered by Andy Graham? Um, I thought it was a penalty, to be fair, and one of the biggest kind of mismatches of an aerial duel so far this season. Oh, it was an absolutely brutal clash. Like when you seen them both hit heads, or say Graham came off pretty bad from it as well, also ended up running a bit for a bandage. That you're not wanting to kind of see stuff like that. Obviously, last season you and Murray kind of had a similar head knock uh, when Dunfermline played Queen's South at the start of the season, and I don't know if it's just that box that. That, that happens in, but uh, it was not what you want to see. And but thankfully, Maxwell's all right. And also the same for Graham. And I think going back to that first goal, that was something that I'd actually noticed prior to the commentary pointing out that uh, Buchanan's arms were on Graham. Would you have chopped it off if you were the, one of the officials? Or Nah, I tend to let the, uh, let the benefit of the doubt go with them. I think it wasn't that obvious of uh, hands on the back, but... Yeah, I think you can see he did get a little bit of an advantage, but not uh, not one for me to, to rule the goal out, I don't think. Fair enough. And then, obviously, I think that goal came at the ideal time for them, obviously, just a few minutes kind of before the half-time interval. That obviously boosted their confidence and then they set the second half in ideal fashion with with McKee scoring a really nice, uh, a really nice free kick. And, and, that, and after that, Alwa really didn't do much. And I, I mean, you could kind of say that for the whole game. They really didn't create much and... I was messaging Pure Champ pal Kieran Mooney and he was saying that Alouard were just really flat. He reckons they're needing some pace or directness up front with a kind of player like Kevin O'Hara or Dario Zanata. Sorry, Dario Zanata, who both had memorable spells at the club. And I, mean, I think I can definitely agree with him. Alouard still still winless in the league. They've only got one point from the first few games. And I mean, I, don't, I think it's too early to panic just yet. They're only a point behind Arbroath and then they're only three behind Queen of the South. So it's it's far too early to start panicking, but it's certainly not the ideal start to the season. Halloway, I've got, he's made a couple of sub appearances, obviously, but Stefan Skugel's sitting there on the bench every week at the moment. I, I do wonder why he's not starting yet, because he could be that player that, that Kieran obviously mentioned he's, uh, the, the, the team are crying out for at the moment, because he is in that similar mould, kind of nippy, attacking-minded player. Um, I'm wondering why he's not can't start yet. I think Peter Grant's been kind of introducing him quite slowly into the team, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think he when he arrived, he was quite out of fitness and it has been a case he's been getting minutes here and there and I've seen him against Stenhouse Muir when Ella played and I mean, he'd he done quite well. He, he certainly stood out and showed me that he can be a player who can really make a difference for the Wasps and just before we kind of move on and discuss him a bit further, I'm wanting to put it out there that I've come to the conclusion that I'll only put on a show when I'm there this season. And <laughs> uh, the, the two times I've commentated, they've scored three and four goals. Uh, they've won one, they've drawn one. And yeah, just a really disappointing performance this week, especially after the kind of way they came back against Stenhouse Muir with a heavily rotated team as well. It wasn't like Alwood put out their kind of full team. Obviously, they did bring on Stephen Heverington and Ray Grant for the kind of second half against Stenhouse Muir. And that completely changed the game. And yeah, very surprised to see Alwa perform so poorly in this one. Um, also, I mentioned him earlier on, but Neil Parry made a return to action. Me and you are also both big fans of him. Obviously, praised him before his injury last season. And I think it'd be fair to say he had a performance that he'd want to forget. He never really had much to do, but he didn't really move for that McKee free kick and didn't really get near to Buchanan's header either. And yeah, just a, a bit of a, a flat and disappointing day for Alwa. 
Ah, it looked like he moved in slow motion for, for Joe McKee's free kick. It was a bit of a weird one. I don't know whether like he was just he saw it late from it coming over the wall, but it did look like it was far enough out for him to potentially move over a bit quicker and get to that side. But but yeah, it was a it was a strange one. Uh, I thought Joe McKee had his best game for for Cunha South so far. I think he was he played a lovely couple of passes and and obviously scored that free kick as you say. But um, I think yes, they got the three points here, but I, I'm still a wee bit worried about Queen of the South. Uh, I, I don't think Alan Johnston likes the options that he has. Um, he did only make one sub in this one too. That was something that I asked Finn about when he was on the last episode too. Uh, and yeah, you just you wonder if anything can happen obviously this season they could have could have a COVID outbreak obviously touch wood but they don't have that many options to come in off the bench or, or in the squad to substitute for this first 11 that seems to be the settled one at the moment No they don't and I think that Queen and South are probably one of the teams I was referring to when I was discussing Aaron the kind of depth they've got and yeah I mean I think we've seen with Albion Rovers lower down in the leagues what a few kind of COVID cases can do they've had to forfeit two of their games already and yeah, Queen of the South, uh, I, I, it's quite hard to gauge kind of how they'll do. Obviously, last season they had a few low knees and were, were superb and then they left and things kind of went downhill from there. And it's like, obviously, they've got Fitzpatrick on loan. And yeah, you just wonder if maybe they can find that kind of rerun this run of form and kind of lift themselves up the table. So Stephen Dobby didn't score in this one, but he's, he's made a good start, even if it's just penalties he's scoring. But he's obviously getting getting the goals in. I think he'll continue to be a key player for them. And yeah, I think Queen of the South are one of the teams that we'll need to give another few weeks for before we can maybe make a real real judgment on what the season will be like for them. So so shall we move on to Inverness, Rafe Rovers? Ed? Yeah, let's go. So Inverness in this one, won 2-0 over Rafe Rovers. Surprise, surprise package, Rafe Rovers, newly promoted this year and they suffered the first defeat, but despite this, they're still sitting second of the table, so it's not all doom and gloom for them. Uh, what did you make of this one? My first reaction that I wrote down from watching this one back was how good was it to hear some fans reacting to shots and saves and goals in this one? Like I, I didn't think that I'd missed it as much as I had when I first heard it in the highlights when Miles Story cracked the bar with that kind of good effort in the first half. Like, like it was just the, oh, and then you just felt like you were watching a proper football match again after all the silence that we've obviously had to, to sit through for, for most of the matches that we've watched so far this season. I mean, that, that made a huge difference, obviously, if you've been watching kind of other football, they've been piping noise in and it just doesn't have that kind of same authenticity. That's, a few of the production crew going in a van and shouting a few things and like it's not it's really not the same and yeah to have that kind of portion of fans I'm not overly sure on how many were there obviously COVID kind of meant that they had to be socially distant and that obviously limited the numbers in but even then that made all the difference and whether that spurred Inverness onto the win I'm not too sure but absolutely fantastic to see fans now back in at Inverness and hopefully it's not too long until we see more championship clubs with fans back in the grounds given the kind of latest developments with regards to the COVID vaccine. So moving on to the kind of game itself then, I think this is a huge win for Inverness. I think they've bounced back really well since their opening day pumping from pars. They then obviously got beat uh, against Hearts, but they've managed to record draws with air and then beat Arbroath and now Rafe. So they've managed to turn things around quite well since, since, since that kind of start and 
yeah, I think they could probably win this one by more than two goals. I think they came up against uh, Jamie McDonald in inspired form. He made some really good kind of goal line saves. Maybe one of them a bit questionable as to whether that was in. I think it was a corner. I mean, I think they were deserved winners at the end of the day. Uh, Kai Kennedy was a real standout for me in this one. A lot of the highlights kind of focused on him and his time on the ball and had a really nice spell where it looked like he'd kind of snookered himself, had kind of let all his options go away, was kind of getting closed in, but managed to kind of wriggle his way out of it and work his way into the box and then play that ball in and, and it was hit out for a corner. But yeah, he was really promising. And one thing that before I let you discuss Inverness was the fact that Nikolai Todorov, who has started the season really well, remained on the bench for the whole game. Um, not sure if there was an injury problem there or, or what, but a bit of a strange decision seeing as he scored three goals in his four, four league appearances this term. Well, I think he was kept out of the team by Miles Story, to be honest. And I think that was his first league start of the season. He'd been out injured since the kind of opening Betfred fixtures. I think he had a hamstring injury. I thought he looked really lively played a big part in both of the goals. We've said it loads already, Cammy, but if he can keep consistent, I think he can be a big difference for Inverness as well. Absolutely. We, we talked about Aaron Doran coming back too. Um, and yeah, those those two players, if they keep consistent, if they keep fit, then they are they are massive to Inverness. And especially so, as you said, because they have, and because we've pointed out as well, they've got so many young players this season. Like I think I spotted a, a few more people over the weekend getting on board the, the Robles Young Guns train. Uh, it was Owen that tweeted about Cameron Harper, uh, Roddy McGregor and Kai Kennedy's link-up play. Um, and as you, as you mentioned already, Kai Kennedy's run was a great bit of kind of individual play from him. He's, he's absolutely tiny. Like I don't know what what's what kind of height he is, but he's so small and his center of gravity must be so low, which helps him get by players so quickly. Um, I think he's got some turn of pace. Uh, he, he looks like he could kind of if Andy Graham was going up against him, he could go in between his legs pretty much because he's he's so small. But but yeah, I think he's uh, they obviously impressed again um, in this one. Uh, and like you say, if it wasn't for McDonald and goals for for race rovers, then it could have been a few more. Yeah, it could have been going back to story. I felt his kind of pace and directness was was really clear. Obviously, he said he crashed the bar early doors, and I think he was a really key player for them. And obviously, they've got James Keatons as well, who who obviously we're, we're not overly sure on. I think we've kind of said he can be a player on his day who does really well, but he's maybe not done that consistently. But I think if Keatons, Story, Dorin, and kind of these young guns can all kind of be performing at the same level on a consistent basis. Inverness could certainly make the, the playoffs. I think we did have some reservations about the kind of squad depth and the fact that they did kind of have all these young boys, but things are kind of looking all right for them at the moment. And moving on to Rafe Rovers then, obviously, as I said, in the intro to this game, they've been a real surprise package. We've been really impressed with them, but this, this game for them was really flat and not, not the performance we've come to expect from them, just... Didn't really have many great chances. I can't really recall them testing Ridgers all that much. And I don't know if it was just a case of the, the good run was going to come to an end at some point and th this was just that kind of match. Yeah, I think when, when Reagan Hendry got dispossessed for Inverness's opener, um, obviously quite in the, in the first half, you, you thought it maybe wasn't going to be race, race over his day today or on that day um, because we haven't seen that Um at all in any of their matches so far this season. Reagan Hendry's been so good. He kind of controls the midfield for them. And 
I do think that's, the, well, obviously I'm over-exaggerating a little bit, but it's the first time I've seen him kind of get dispossessed like that so far this season. And and yeah, I think that was kind of the story of the day for them, um, to be honest. I think it wasn't their best performance of the season. I, I don't think they were horrific either, which is obviously a good thing for them. They didn't fold, they didn't concede five, like like a certain other team that played uh, Wraith Rovers. Um, uh, and I was still impressed by kind of the numbers that they got into the box to support Maniduku at times. I think quite a few times Reagan Tumulty's kind of rampaging down that right-hand side and he's got five or six players to aim at in the box and, and that's in the second half, even when they're when they're 1-0, when they're 2-0 down. So, um, yeah, still impressed with them. Um, Inverness obviously managed to keep uh, Maniduku quiet in this one. Um, he has still had a great life, a start to life at Starks Park. Cami, we managed to speak to him uh, this week, didn't we? Um, we both thoroughly enjoyed that one. Uh, it'll be coming out uh, later on this week, I think. Well, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, it'll be coming out tomorrow. Uh, if you're not listening to this on Wednesday, then go and find it on the Pure Football podcast feed. Um, but here's a little clip from it at the moment where he talks about the, the start to life he's made at the club and also talks a bit about that talented midfield that he plays in front of. Do you feel that was quite similar in terms of how it's going for you at Wraith? Oh, everything obviously just kind of clicked. You've got the kind of support of the fans and the management team. Is that kind of what you need to perform to your best? Yeah, I think as, as a player, every player needs belief from the manager, obviously, because you don't want to be performing and then you every time have to prove yourself to someone else. You just need to feel free and do the best as you can. Not every time when you go there, you're already worried if I don't do this, I'll be all subbed or not be playing or I'll be gone. So obviously as a player, you need the support from the manager. And obviously if you do, uh, the fans will obviously love you with that as well. So that adds on top. So yeah, I feel like being here from day one, the manager and the, the staff, everyone has been so great. So that made it so much easier to just do well. And the group we have, the, the lads, all of them are so good as well. So everyone has been so positive. Yeah, touching on a few of those, those guys, I think uh, obviously Wraith Rovers are, are newly promoted to the Championship too. So we, Cammy and I, weren't exactly watching them week in, week out last season. But obviously from the start that they've had and just from these short few matches that we've managed to watch so far, you've got Dylan Tate standing out. You've got Ethan Ross on loan from Aberdeen. And uh, I, I really like the look at Dan Armstrong as well. I think he's a great player. What, what is it like to play alongside these young guys in, in that midfield that are supporting you up front? Yeah, it's, it's great to play with them because obviously there's talent. There's talent. Everyone works hard. Um, um, Reagan Henry that is a, is a very, very good midfielder who controls the midfield for us. And then obviously Dylan Ross with energy behind all of, the, all of us working hard. And then it clicks as a forward and the wings obviously creating for you as a striker. So it clicks, to be honest. That was a great insight there from Manny and we want to thank him again for speaking to us and yeah, check out the, the full interview because it was a really good interview and I think something that he says in this interview will really shock you so it's 100% worth listening in to. Absolute, so, absolute uh, clickbait there from you, Cammy. <laughs> there we go. So moving on then to our final game. Um, this was our both now Morton nil and yeah, what, what a kind of forgettable game this was at, at Gayfield. This was perhaps one of the worst games we've seen in the Championship this season. There was very little to kind of be, well, 
positive about it was a very kind of disappointing match and we just really didn't see anything from it and yeah really boring and thankfully I never paid for it but but you did pay for it so so what did our, you make of it? Our broth got my hard-earned £10 uh, for me to watch this match. Um, yeah, I mean, you're spot on, to be honest. We we obviously struggled to talk much about uh, Air Dunfermline from the other week, that 0-0. This was exactly the same. Yeah, this I mean, was even worse. Yeah, I think, it, I think it probably was. It's probably one of the worst matches we've had so far this season um, in the league, I think. One positive that I can take from it is it's a clean sheet for Morton in the league, um, which obviously is a good thing after uh, our last league outing, which was that 5-0 drubbing, um, which I like to mention on a regular basis now, um, just to remind everybody that it did happen. Um, but yeah, it's actually two clean sheets in a row um, because we, we we kept a clean sheet against Partick Thistle in the Betfred Cup. Could have sneaked this one. Something did happen. Uh, Luca Colville cracked the post with a free kick but that was basically the only good effort that we had in the the full 90 minutes from both sides um i think the biggest thing we need to talk about is is dick campbell's reaction after the match which which maybe he was uh, bringing in so that some people would have something to say about this match but um yeah i don't think he was too happy with morton's style of play uh morton fans aren't too happy with their style of play after this one either but um, uh, yeah, I think obviously uh, Dick Campbell pointed out that this was a, a full-time team coming to our growth, playing with a back five against his one man up front, which is obviously true. But my reaction was I didn't necessarily see Dick Campbell or a growth do anything to change the way that they were playing to try and work around Morton's system. Um, obviously, Morton were trying to keep it tight. And yes, whether that's a the, the right thing or the wrong thing for, for David Hopkins and, and Morton to do, then that's another thing. But if I was our growth manager, then I'd be looking to try and think of ways to to kind of break down uh, what Morton have set up against you like. And I think you look at the subs that, that, that Campbell made, Luke Donnelly came on for Chris Doolan with 20 minutes to go. Scott Stewart came on for Dale Hilson with 10 minutes to go. Those are basically like-for-like changes as well. He didn't I think Dick Campbell said there was only one team trying to win the match. I don't agree with that. I think it, this was definitely both teams not wanting to lose this match. I mean, I think the the way Morton set up, you'd certainly get that impression. I mean, I think playing with five at the back when you're up against one striker, it is, it's quite negative. But ultimately, that's the way Morton play. It's not, well, not, not in that it's negative. Well, you'll probably say it is negative in terms of the watching, but... That's the system Morton are playing with. That's the, that's the way Hopkins kind of wanting the team to play with five at the back. And as you say, I think Campbell. I mean, yeah, he, he can be quite annoyed that teams are going up so defensively against his part-time team. Like I can completely understand where he's coming from from that. But as you say, he never really done anything. The changes, like for me, when when it's kind of five at the back, that that gives me the impression you can take control of the midfield then because there's one less midfielder. Or yeah, I mean, I think there was certainly things that Campbell could have done in this one. Um, one thing that you did get treated to, though, was the spectacular sunset at Gayfield, which I think you said when we were texting about the match was was the man of the match. Um, in my interview with Mikko Vertanen, um, we spoke about Gayfield and he also told me what it's like to play there. So here's a wee clip from that interview. So at Arterbroof as well, you're playing at one of the most kind of iconic low league stadiums in Gayfield, obviously notorious for the kind of 
weather conditions that you're subjected to when you're playing there? How, how have you found playing there? Um, there's been a few games where the weather's been very questionable, um, whether the game should be on or not. Um, and obviously it makes the makes everything difficult, even for us. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's a game of football. It's the same for both teams. So it's just whoever can cope with it the best on, on a day. Um, obviously we've got maybe sort of a reputation of like using the win to advantage, but we're really good football inside too when it comes down to it. So, so wind or no wind, we, we just deal with what, whatever's ahead of us. And, uh, but yeah, sometimes it is, it is frustrating when you can't get out of your own half and goalkeeper taking goal kicks and the, the dropping on the edge of the box and then just having to defend. But, but like I said, it'll be the same for the boat, boat for both teams. So, um, so I'm not, I'm not complaining about it. Usually for me, it's, it's better the the worse the weather is because then all the uh, like the the sort of more technical players that like to get on a half turn and dribble and all that they'll they'll be uh, less on the ball because the ball's probably in the air or bouncing around which is better for me so um, all in all I'm actually quite glad when the weather's bad. Cami, it was obviously great uh, you getting to speak to one of our pure championship favourites that we we crowned uh, that title last season as well. How how did you find the interview with Miko? Yeah, it was, it was superb. Also, as, as you said, a long-term pure championship favourite, one of the OGs. Uh, yeah, Miko was absolutely fantastic. And I've, I've got to thank him again. Well, we've thanked Manny and it's only right that we also thank Miko. Miko's interview was was really good, was was very open. And I mean, yeah, as, as I said at the end of that interview, it's only kind of furthered my love for him as a player. Um, it, it was a really good interview. So if you've not already seen that, check that one out. Um we also spoke about Arbroath's start to the campaign. This interview was recorded prior to this Morton game, but it wasn't like Arbroath went on and won this game. They're still kind of not really started the season all that well. Obviously, they started, sorry, they had a really good season last year. And Miko certainly seemed more than confident that they can turn things around. So here's the clip from that one. So moving on to this season, then I think it would be fair to say that things probably haven't went as planned for you and your teammates, especially in comparison to last season. Obviously, we're only a few weeks into the season. Are there any worries? Are you confident that things can be turned around and you can maybe have a similar season to last? Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely confident. Um, if you if you look at our start, um, the teams we've had to play. Obviously, we had the uh, Wraith Rovers away in the first game of the season. Um, us being part time, having lockdown, um, it's obviously going to be tougher for us to prepare for the season as as maybe the other full time teams. And you see how well Wraith have done this season already. Um. I don't think um, it's a shame losing to them. Obviously, we didn't perform anywhere near the way we would have wanted to. and um, But at the same time, we had two, three really good chances to go ahead in the game and that could have killed it from the start. Um, so, Wraith away, first game of the season, is is probably as tough as it gets. Then having Hearts at home and Inverness away as the next two games, that's probably as, as tough of a start as, as we can get. Um, so, for us to think that things are going really badly and we're panicking, I'll be wrong. Um, I think... Like I said, there's tough teams. It, it might take us a, a few games more to get going, uh, considering we're part-time. Um, so I think, like I said, us getting a point um, against Queen of South at home um, is is massive for us to kickstart it all. I think we're the better team. I think I think we played really well in that game, actually. Um, we should have we should have come come away with it with three points. Um, but like I said, we're not looking whether we're going to finish in a playoff spot or we're going to finish in this position. We're, we're trying to win the next game we've got ahead of us, which is Morton tomorrow. So um, 
I think that's our goal at the moment, just just to see see how we do on a Saturday and then see where that takes at the end of the season. We're not trying to think too far ahead and we're definitely not panicking. We know we're a good team. Um, our team is pretty much the same as, as last season uh, with a few different additions. So um, I think we're, we're all a season wiser with the um, with the whole um, uh, championship football. So I think that can only benefit us. And like I said, we're, we've got going now. We've done well in the cup to get through into the next round. Um, we've got our first point on the table. So I think we're just going to look up from here. That brings an end to this week's edition of the Pure Championship podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to leave a review and share it with your friends and family and, and all that. And it's very much appreciated. So we'll be back when there's the next round of championship action. And if you've not already checked out the Miko interview or the Manny Duke interview, be sure to do that. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>